And welcome back, everybody, to Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. My name is Daniel Rogers. And, you know, on this program, we like to bring people on to talk about what they're doing in the world uh, to make this world a better place. We've talked to people from all different kinds of backgrounds, all different walks of life. And today, we're going to be talking to someone that you may or may not be familiar with, uh, Kevin Pendergrass. Kevin, how are you, man? Welcome back to the program. Hey, brother. What's going on, man? Thanks so much for having me back on. Yeah, man, of course. I'm excited to have you back. I know uh, that the that the listeners, almost said the viewers, but we're doing this one audio only. Uh, the listeners are excited to have you back. And uh, probably what they want to know is what have you been up to since leaving the podcast? Well, before I answer that question, I first want to compliment you, if I can. By all is that, means. Is that okay? That's, that's okay. That's within my schedule. <laughs> so, yeah. I just, no, really, in all seriousness, man, I just want to say thank you for continuing on with the podcast. When we, when Lee and I, when we first started talking about discontinuing the podcast, we had a lot of people email us both privately and publicly, I guess you can say, or messaging us and talking about it publicly on the group saying that they wanted it to continue. And we weren't really sure. If, that, if we were going to have it to continue, who was going to do it, how it was going to be done. And so we talked with you and you agreed and everything has been history since then. You've done a great job with it. And a lot of people have told me how much they appreciate that the show has been able to continue running. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity. I get a lot out of it too. And I've met a lot of good people. And even some of our uh, listeners have uh, started coming to church with us and, you know, being part of our little community here in North Alabama. So that's, that's been really great. And I hope to meet uh, even more of the listeners in person. So I know that you are a ve very busy guy. Ever since I've known you, uh, actually, uh, when I started working for you, I was always impressed by how much you had going on <laughs> on in your life from from your uh, from your fitness to your job and everything. So why don't you fill us in a little bit on what you've been up to in this last year? Yeah, well, I like to use the word productive instead of busy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. Productive. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, in, in all seriousness, because I think it's important to not just be working for the sake of working, but yeah. to make sure that what you're doing is productive, but also that you have time to enjoy life. And that's one thing I've always been able to do is just love life, regardless of what stage of life I'm living. But oh, by the way, side note, that includes taking a lot of trips. Bethany and I, we love to travel. We went to Alaska last year. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. If you haven't been, anybody listening, highly recommend it if you get the chance. But business is going really well, and ever since the the podcast, ever since stopping the podcast on our side of things, uh, business has just been going fantastic. I was able to spend more time on it, been able to spend more time with Bethany and just family time. And uh, one of the things that I really miss, though, is working with people one-on-one. -on -one. one of the reasons why I got into ministry is because I just love people. People are truly my lifeblood. And with the the business side of things, while I'm able to work with a lot of people, I'm not really able to, for lack of better words, minister in the sense of working on personal problems or personal issues. I mean, with some of my clients, I've become good friends with, and we'll talk about some of those things. But you know, by and large, you're just talking about surface level business stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so I decided that I wanted to look into figuring out how can I work with people more one-on-one, -on -one, perhaps on the side. And Bethany, she encouraged me to become a life coach. And so that's what I did. I am now certified as a professional life coach. I received the certification through Oklahoma State University in Oklahoma City. And I'm also certified now as a trauma-informed care practitioner because I learned a lot about trauma just throughout my years of deconstructing my own trauma, but also the trauma of many other people and just did a lot of personal study. You know, you know me, I like to read books and I like to do my own research. And so I learned more about trauma. And so I decided to also uh, be professionally certified. And so now I am a trauma informed care practitioner and then also became certified in DEI training, which is diversity, equity, inclusion. So that's what I'm doing now on the side. That's not the main thing. I'm still working at Pendergrass Promos. Bethany and I, we still own the business. That's what I do for my full-time job. That's what I do primarily for my income, but I am now coaching on the side. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, Rob Bell and his uh, audio book, Handling Your Fire, he talks about what he calls threads and setups. So a thread is something that you always find yourself being kind of drawn back to. There's like some commonalities between your different interests and your different jobs, different careers. And then the setups, which are how that thread manifests itself in different ways. Like a school teacher 
you know, might want to leave the teaching environment, but she could find a setup maybe in a, like a tutoring center or maybe like hosting a homeschool co-op or something like that. There's different setups, you know. And so your thread is dealing with people one-on-one -on -one and helping people. And I know there's a lot of different setups for that, like pastoring or ministering or being a therapist or something like that. So so what, you, what got you specifically into life coaching? And if you don't mind while you're talking about that, can you sort of distinguish that from, say, like a therapist or spiritual director or, or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, those are great questions. So the first question, what got me into it is really a very, I could talk for a long time about this, but to summarize, really, I just, I've always done coaching from the aspect of working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And when I was an employed minister, because I did that from about age 17 till really 2018. When I was in 2018, I was working as a part-time minister for a congregation and I did some part-time ministering prior to that as an, as an actual being employed doing it, getting paid doing it. But I did that for, you know, a good part of my adult life. And, you know, as well as I do, anybody else who's a minister, a big part of that is talking to people about their problems and trying to work them or work through their problems with them. Right. I mean, you know that that's yeah. that's people come to you all the time. And in fact, a lot of times I was well underqualified to mm -hmm. talk to people about the problems they were dealing with. But when you're a young minister, you think you <laughs> you think you have the answers to everything. And yeah. you think yeah. if you can go to a Bible verse and say, oh, here you go. Here's the answer. You know, you're worried. Well, Jesus said not to worry. So that's there, there you go. That settles it now. But. I, as I got older, I started doing more research. I started, I have a lot of friends who are licensed therapists and counselors. And so I would actually talk to them about some of the issues that I was talking to my congregants about or friends about. And I just, just enjoyed doing it from that perspective. But then when I started my own business doing promotional products and marketing materials, me and Bethany started that back in, uh, I started it. And then Bethany shortly joined me after, because I realized I needed her help if this thing was going to be successful. And when I say, like legitimately she had to come on right after I started it. It was about a day to two days into me starting the business. And cause I, cause she was working at another job and she's like, well, yeah, well I'll keep doing this while you're starting your business. And then I got into it and I said, sweetie, I need your help. I, I can't do this without you. In fact, I called her like eight times when she was at work cause I was freaking out. I'm like, I can't do this. I need your help. I need your help. And she didn't have her phone on her. So when she got the phone, uh, her phone and saw all the messages, she's like, all right, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll come help you with it. So she quit her job and we both went into this just full time together. And we had to learn so much, Daniel. We had to learn everything from, from scratch pretty much. Now, I was very familiar with marketing because I had also been doing marketing for many years. Part of my job at the Gospel of Christ was to market, to be the marketer, to make sure that I was in sales and, you know, to sell the gospel of Christ, if you will, not the gospel of Christ, but the gospel of Christ is the ministry, uh, to make sure that people were, were supporting what we were doing. And I had to go, because there's a lot of ministries out there. And so I had to make sure that people knew what we were doing. And so when I was hired on back in 2008 at the gospel of Christ, I was first hired on to market. And I wasn't even hired on to be one of the speakers, but within a few months, I did become a speaker and then eventually became the director of the program. So I did have a lot of experience from that perspective, but it is terrifying when you have never done anything as an adult for a career outside of ministry, and then you're no longer an employed minister anymore. You don't really know what you're going to do, but it didn't take me long to figure out I could take the talents that I did have and I could, could turn that into something else. And so I actually worked... Uh, doing promotional products for another company for about a year and then realized, hey, I could make a lot more money doing this myself. And so we started our own business. And I say all that just to say that since then, that was in 2016 that we started our company. Since then, I have done business coaching for other businesses. And so I'm familiar with the idea of coaching and working with other people. Yeah. But what I was still missing was that that one-on-one, -on -one, especially the past like year or two. Really, the past year, the podcast really filled that need for me of being able to talk to people because a lot of folks would email me, they would reach out, we would have good conversations. But sure. since since then, I just have been missing that aspect of it. And so Bethany, one night, she just said, well, why don't you just not become a professional life coach? Then you can still work with businesses coaching, but also you can incorporate spiritual coaching 
into what you're doing as well. And so that's why I went and got certified to classes. Yeah. Learn more about trauma, did the trauma-informed care uh, training to become a practitioner. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't just have my experience, but also had the education behind it. Sure. Yeah, I know that uh, whenever I was working for your uh, business back in 26, uh, 2016, 2017, you, you and Bethany were so gracious to help Laura, I, Laura and I out whenever we found ourselves without a ministry job. And I was kind of like you. That's like all I knew was how to do ministry, you know, and I remember there were a couple of times when you would do trainings for like the BNI group and for the Chamber of Commerce and things like that. And weren't you even on the news one time for doing some business coaching at a at a local event? Was that right? Yes. Yeah, that was the SBDC. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, yeah, Small Business right. Development Center. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I got to got to speak with some some big wigs. And it was yeah, pretty neat. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. And so I'm glad I'm glad that you have sort of returned or continuing this this uh, coaching thing and adding this spiritual dimension to it because. That's one thing, like you said, that, that you've always had a strength in. And I also appreciate the fact that you have gotten certified. You're just not some guy who thinks he can be a life coach. You actually have gone through the training. You've taken the classes. And I've even had the benefit of uh, being, you know, sort of helping you train for that and being your kind of guinea pig where you had to walk me through the life coaching. And I filled out all these surveys and stuff for you to to make sure that you were on track and what we did and what we didn't do and how you helped me. And uh, that was really beneficial to me in my own personal life. And I was the first person you coached, I guess, under this new uh, title of life coach. And so that was a really big deal for me. But having that certification is huge because I know that there's sometimes when people come to me as a minister and they start laying out their problems and I'm like, hey, look, I'm not certified in this. I'm, I, I don't have the degree. I'm not a therapist. I can give you spiritual advice from my own experience, from my own study of scripture, but you really need to seek professional health. And so it's good that you've taken that step. You're just not some guy that's that said he's going to be a life coach. You've gone and got the certifications and the training to, to yeah, actually well, help. Yeah. And, and, and to your question, because this really feeds in and, and dovetails into your question about what is the difference between a life coach and say a a clinical therapist or a psychologist or counselor. And that's an important distinction to make because while there is some overlap between the two, there are a lot of differences. And so to, to answer that question for you, a life coach is not the same thing as a healthcare professional. And one of there's many differences, but unlike in various forms of clinical therapy, a life coach is not going to diagnose you. They're not trained to diagnose. They're not, they're not going to be able to prescribe medications. They're not going to be able to directly treat your mental illness, um, especially things such as substance abuse and things of that nature. Now, they can coach you. They can coach someone who has dealt with that before. But as far as someone who advertises, if, if all someone is is a, is a coach, then uh, ethically they can't say, oh, no, I'll, I'll take care of all your substance abuse for you because they're not trained for that. They, they haven't gone to school. They don't. They don't know exactly what to deal with. And that's that's one <laughs> that's one thing that I was it was funny. Bethany, when she first said, Well, you should become a life coach, I said, They're a bunch of quacks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be like like they're they're wannabes, you know, they're fakes. And cause I didn't really know anything about the industry, quite frankly. Yeah. And when I did decide to become certified, I didn't want to do one of those, you know, become a life coach in 24 hour type things where you can just let the audio play and you're not really doing anything. And that's why I wanted it from a, a true accredited school such as Oklahoma State University. I wanted to make sure that this is something that is legitimate and that when I'm working with people, they can know that as well. But uh, going back to to the question, a life coach is not someone that's going to be able to do those things like prescribe medication, treat mental illness, deal directly with substance abuse. In fact, I even would say that that's one of the problems with a lot of church structures today is they have set up individuals who are not qualified, who do not have degrees, and they're doing those things. And that's a very dangerous, very dangerous thing because not only are they uh, not getting the information they need, they're probably getting misinformation, which can make their situation worse. But clinical therapists also, they're going to treat patients with and without a high level of daily functioning. Whereas with life coaching, it go it already assumes that the client possesses a normative level of daily functioning. And that's defined in the ICF guidelines. And so that includes things such as feeding, grooming, work, leisure, and so on. So if someone is is really dealing with depression and they're not able to hold down a job, because of that depression, a life coach is not going to be for them. They, they need to go to someone who is a clinical therapist, who is a licensed professional when it comes to uh, counseling, because they're at a completely different level than what life coaching is geared toward and designed to be and do. So clinical therapy also is usually open-ended. 
and primarily focuses on the past a lot. And the reason is because they're trying to diagnose and directly treat a variety of mental illnesses, depending upon the, the person. But they're doing that to help clients improve their level of daily functioning, primarily by resolving past issues. And I've been to clinical counseling. I've also had life coaches. I've had business coaches. I've had health coaches. So I use a variety. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. But yeah. life coaching, really practically speaking, life coaching is going to be more action-oriented and is going to focus on specific and measurable goals that focus on the moment right now and in the future. So while, yes, it is going to take into consideration the past, especially when dealing with trauma, and a lot of people who are struggling with issues, there are there is some form of trauma in their life. But the primary focus of life coaching is going to be on the right here, the right now, and the future. So getting unstuck, you, people hear that phrase a lot if they've done any kind of life coaching. It's really about getting you unstuck so that you can move on, and it's about problem solving. And so it is. it can be very similar to counseling in a way. But there are a lot of differences. Yeah, I know that whenever you and I first started the life coaching sessions together a few months ago, that I was at that point still seeing a therapist every other Friday. And now I've backed off to uh, once a month um, from his recommendation and just from all how, how I'm feeling about life right now. So I backed off to once a month right now, but I found it helpful during that time to have, you know, my, my therapist on Fridays, um, my mentor my leadership mentor every other Wednesday. And then I had you and we were specifically dealing with finances in our particular life coaching session. And I, I liked having that well-rounded group of people I could go to for different issues and different uh, things I was trying to do in my life and different ways I was trying to get unstuck, whether it's leadership, whether it was finances, whether it was mentally or psychologically. And so having that well-rounded approach is good. And so someone might say, well, I already am, I'm already paying you know, a copay every other Friday to see a therapist. Do I really need a life coach? Well, yeah, you might, because it might be tackling a different aspect of your life or a different angle of your life or a different focus. And so just because you already see a mentor or a leadership coach or whatever doesn't mean that you don't uh, need life coaching or also couldn't benefit from life coaching. And so this is just another option to have another tool in your in your uh, tool bag there to be able to really strive and become a better human being. So, Kevin, you were telling us a little bit about how this whole life coaching thing, you kind of thought it was you're a bit skeptical at first, but and it was really sort of Bethany's um, idea. Did, did you want to elaborate that? I'll elaborate on that a little bit more before we go on. Yeah, well, I I didn't. I love talking with people. Obviously, I love. Well, I just love talking, but I also love people, <laughs> yeah. and I love listening to hear to to what people have to say. I love learning about people and why people do the things they do, why they believe the things they believe, and people are fascinating to me. And I love. I just love people. I love the diversity, especially now more than ever. And so I had even contemplated becoming a, a psychologist. I, I looked into that to see what that would look like. And also the, the, the time and dedication, though, it would have taken me to, to go and get a degree for that. And then also to maintain a practice where I'm making enough money. It just didn't make sense because I make my money through Pendergrass promos. I mean, that's just, it's just plain and simple. I mean, we, we, Pendergrass promos is a very profitable business. That's where I get my money from. And I didn't want to trade anything for that because it is such a low stress job. It's something I do enjoy, but I am just missing a little something. <laughs> and so that's where I, when when Bethany brought up life coach, I'm like, no, if I'm going to do anything, I'll be a psychologist. But then I was starting to look into it and started to learn, okay, there are a lot of legitimate life coaches out there because life coach is such a broad term, right? I mean, that's just such a, a, a huge term. I mean, you have people who say, well, I'm a life coach and I'm going to fix your chakras. Or you have someone that says, well, I'm a life coach and I'm going to help you lose weight. Or I'm a life coach and I'm going to help you with your business. So it's such a, a broad range. And I didn't realize that. I didn't know really much of anything about life coaching. Um, personally, I, I knew more about business coaching, but I didn't realize that, that could, that's considered a form of life coaching. I guess coaching itself is is the category, the broad category, because there's different types of coaching. And so what I started when I started researching this, of course, I did my own research and bought some books to study as well to learn a little bit more to make sure I am being effective. That's when I really 
got specific with what I wanted to do. And even if you go to my website, you'll see I basically have two categories of coaching now. I have business coaching and then what I call spiritual or religious recovery coaching, because that's where my talents lie. That's where my experience is at, and that's where I have been trained more than on anything else. And so while, yes, I can help people lose weight or with health, and even in your case, we we did some finances, The the my, my true areas of expertise are going to be business coaching and then also the spiritual and the religious recovery coaching. And that is what we can talk about here in a minute, since I know this is not a business podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, hey, even the financial coaching you gave uh, sort of turned into business coaching. And I might talk about that in a future in a future episode, since it is kind of related to what I'm doing here. So, yeah, you mentioned there's a lot of different areas that you can focus in on as a life coach, and I believe that your business is your private practice is going to be called Compass Life Coaching LLC. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for the purpose of this podcast, and by the way, all those links and stuff will be in the description of uh, the the links to Kevin's website and how to contact him and all that. Um. So let's focus in on this religious and spiritual coaching you provide. Uh, walk us through that a little bit. What does it mean to you to be a spiritual and religious coach? Yeah, so what I mean by religious and spiritual coaching is I'm not your minister. I'm not your pastor. I'm not trying to get you to believe in any certain doctrinal position uh, per se. I mean, if someone is, is, if I believe something and somebody else believes something and they're needing help, matching their logic with their emotion, then obviously that's something that a life coach can do. But what I'm more involved with is helping people overcome their religious trauma by utilizing science-based methodologies and research-backed approaches. And that includes modern psychology. Now, once once again, I'm not a, a psychologist, but I'm going to be utilizing those methodologies when I'm coaching someone. And so as far as the specifics, what I do is I help people who have been involved in some for some form of religious trauma. Now that can be anything. That can be someone like myself. I was a part of a legalistic church. I was not just a part of one, but I helped to, uh, I guess you could say, propagate a lot of those agendas. But I did so thinking it was the right thing. I changed. I deconstructed. And so it can just be helping people who are already in that process. Now, my, I'm not going to tell – I'm not going to coach people and say, you need to do this. I'm coaching people who are already wanting to do it or they're already there. And so, for example, maybe they're wanting to know how to navigate family relationships. So if they're starting to change their views or they're leaving a church – how do they quantify all of this information with their next step, right? Like how, how are they going, what all do they need to like take into consideration? And so making an educated decision that is going to meet your objectives. And so should you leave your church? If you do leave your church, where are you going to go? How's that going to impact your family? How's that going to impact your family for the positive or the negative? What's that going to do to not just your immediate family, but your other family members or your friends or your church community? Figuring out what all that looks like and making sure that you're making those steps in a very controlled, wise way, uh, which a lot of times I didn't do when I first started changing. Quite frankly, I wish I would have had someone to walk me through this because I actually did see a psychologist, but they helped me deal more with my past and how to forgive myself and things of that nature. But I really needed, which which I needed very much. I'm glad I did that. But I also needed someone else to really help paint a picture of what the next steps look like and how to go about that. Because I just felt lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. And so that's really where I would come in as a life coach or a spiritual coach, if you will, or religious recovery. I like the phrase religious recovery better because spiritual does sound very woo-woo, and we're not going to be doing any uh, spiritual woo-woo practices in our sessions. I mean, it's going to be based on psychology and science-based methodologies. Uh, just a, just an average normal level of woo, not woo-woo. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if we're going to do average <laughs> level of no woo-woo or woo at all. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh but, wow! So it's so it sounds like that this isn't just directed towards like me, for example. You know, a a Church of Christ minister who's working on the inside edge of the outside, who listens to the Bible for normal people, and you know, might be considered liberal by some people. Like this can be for anybody at any stage of faith, right? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it can be for someone who is still considered very conservative. 
someone who is still, um, you know, making, just trying to figure things out and just needs a sound, basically somebody that they can just talk things through with. That's what's missing with uh, a lot of people. That's what's missing in my life. Someone just to really talk these things through that was a disinterested party. Um, someone that I could say, hey, here's the situation. What do you think I should do? What are some good ideas? What are some good steps? Or I feel stuck about this issue. How can I get unstuck? And what does that look like? What are some exercises I could do? What are some things that are actually going to work? Because what I've been doing hasn't been working. So is there anybody out there who can help me figure out how to make this work? And yes, there, there are definitely people out there, not just me, but there are many people out there who can help you move forward in life. But so it's for anybody. And I, it doesn't matter if you are some, as I said before, someone who is still caught up in a conservative church, and maybe that's where your views still are, but you're trying to figure out how to navigate that a little bit. Maybe you found grace, but you want to stay at a conservative church, and you're trying to figure out if that's what you need to do. Maybe you've left churches, and you're trying to figure out what's a good church for you to go to. Maybe you have left your faith altogether, and you no longer consider yourself a non-believer, and you're trying to figure out how to move on uh, in your with your new views. And so it doesn't matter. There is no going to be no judgment from me. I mean, this is a professional setting, and so it's not my job to judge someone and say, oh, you're too, you're too this or you're too that. It's yeah. my job to help people within their own framework of where they want to be and help them get to where they want to be. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's, that reminds me a lot of yours and Lee's interview with uh, Brian McLaren in his book, Do I Stay Christian? In that book, it has three parts. He talks about, you know, here's why you might answer no to that question. Here's why one might answer yes to that question. And both answers have some you have really good reasons behind them. And then you have his last section, which is my favorite, how. If you answer no, if you answer yes, if you're conservative, if you're, if you're liberal, if you're atheist or agnostic, if you are fundamentalist or whatever, how can we live graciously regardless of whatever that label might be? So I really appreciate the approach here. This isn't about getting everybody on uh, exactly the same wavelength that you're on in terms of what you believe and uh, how you look at life and everything. This is more about helping people be the best version of their self and meeting them where they are at in their unique situation. So, yeah, and I, I would I would parallel it to finances. Yeah. I may be in a certain financial situation, but that doesn't mean that you need to be where I'm at or you even should be where I'm at. It, it may not be good for you to be where I'm at. Maybe you need to be making a lot more, or maybe you're making a lot less, but, but that's okay. Or maybe you're making what I'm making, but it's going to different places and you have different objectives of what you want to do. And so I see it the same way that, and th this is because I've changed my views on how I understand many things. But one thing that I'm very convinced on is that you can't change somebody's mind for them. Yeah. So someone already has to be, at a place of receiving and wanting to to move beyond where they're currently at in order for them to ever move. And so my my job is not to convince somebody to get unstuck. My job is to work with people who say, I want to get unstuck. Here's where I'm currently at. I need help getting unstuck. Not someone yeah. who says, uh, you know, change my mind, Kevin. I'm not interested in changing anybody's mind, number one, because that's a very illogical proposition because there's you can't change somebody's mind for them to begin with but that's not the end game the end game is not getting people to see things the way i see it my objective is to help people heal my objective is to help people love themselves and love others and live the best life and have the best well-being both physically emotionally mentally that they that they possibly can have yeah, man, that's fantastic. And I know that you're the perfect guy for that, uh, not just because you have the experience. I mean, you've been down that road where you've experienced religious trauma and rejection and deconstruction and dealing with the trauma of all that, as you mentioned a while ago, learning to forgive yourself. But in addition to experience, something that you have that a lot of people don't have is you now have the formal and the informal education. Uh, like you mentioned, you love to read, you've read the books, you've listened to the podcasts, you've heard the lectures, and now you've gone through this uh, this training at a at an accredited university so that you can help people get unstuck, not only speaking from your experience, but also using science and psychology and and proven and tested methodology. And so if there's anybody that, that can do this, then you are uniquely positioned to to help them as a life coach. So there might be someone out there who's starting to really, you know, think, Hey, I might could use Kevin, you know, but, but is he really the right guy for me? Like what sort of things 
may he be able to help with? So do you think that you could give some specific examples, like really get specific if you could, about how you might help out someone as a, as a, as a certified professional life coach? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the, what I'm going to do with anybody who is interested is I provide a free 15-minute no-obligation obli consultation. Yeah. And with my services as well, another benefit, I would say, to being a life coach, which, by the way, a lot of psychologists and counselors are becoming life coaches because – and I don't, and I don't understand this myself. Um, well, I understand why people are wanting to become life coaches, but there's no red tape for a life coach. And that could be a positive and a negative because anybody can call themselves a life coach. Even if you're not certified, you can, you can say you're a life coach because there's no, there's, there's nothing governing any kind of regulations on that. Whereas if you are a clinical therapist, if you're a psychologist, a counselor, you can't just counsel anybody anywhere, but with life coaching, because there's not that red tape, I can. I can work with people in all 50 states and in, quite frankly, I can work with anybody internationally too um, because everything is over Zoom. Everything is online. And so it, if someone's listening to this and they go, well, where is Kevin working? Where is he practicing at? It, anywhere. I'm, I'm practicing wherever you need me to be. So I can do this with anybody and I can do it um, at any location. Um, as far as states are concerned or, you know, geography is concerned, but we do everything over zoom. Everything is virtual. And uh, that also makes, makes my pricing a little bit less too, because people aren't having to drive to me. I don't have to rent another building or anything like that. I can just do this where I'm at too. So I say all that to say, if someone is questioning and they are interested, first of all, yes, you can work with me if, uh, as long as you're a human and, and, and live in the U S or outside of the U S which that's everybody. But second of all, as long as you have internet, you have to have internet, I guess that's a requirement. You have to yeah. have internet. But, um, second of all, uh, with the consultation, the reason why I do that is because I want to make sure that I am going to be able to help someone. There have been people I have spoken with and I said, look, I don't think I'm the right guy for you. I'm not the right person for what you need. And uh, there's been some people I have recommended to therapists because I feel like they would be much more qualified to handle specific scenarios than I'm going to be able to. But then there's others that come to me and this is perfect. We're, we're going to be a perfect fit for one another. The best way to know how to do that is to just talk to each other and figure out if we're going to be able to, to work well with each other. And so that's why I have that free consultation. But as far as some specifics where I have worked with people already and have been able to heal myself, but also help others heal is uh, hell anxiety. First of all, is a big, big issue with people coming out of forms of legalism and most fundamental Christians, they've been so conditioned by fear that it prevents them from being able to think critically, which means they're terrified to even challenge their own thoughts because they've been trained to be paralyzed by fear. It's this idea of paralysis by analysis, and that goes hand in hand with what if thinking. Ooh, I like it. When, it, when I when I when I first started changing, the thought that crossed my mind was, "Well, Kevin, you've been wrong before. What if you're wrong now?" <laughs> and and you know, shouldn't it be better to take the safe side and just just to be on the safe side? And you know, even though for well, for example, some people may not be able to relate to this, but your audience probably will. Instrumental music. I mean, I debated the topic and affirmed that it was sinful, that it was wrong. That's and, an assertion. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that that's something that I studied a, a, for, for a, a, my whole life, I guess you could say, from one aspect, but also for more of a professional level. I mean, I, st I spent like nine solid months preparing for that debate and was very convinced it was wrong. And then I changed my view and I'm thinking, well... Okay, now I think it's now I think it's okay, but should I do it? Should I go to a church that that does it? And how to really? Oh, I remember the first time I went to a instrumental service to actually worship. I literally, Daniel, was I was shaking. I was I was shaking. I was terrified. I actually uh, know. I actually, funnily enough, one of our church members, uh, you might know him, Jason. I think you might have met him or talked to him before. He actually knows what that service is because he attended that with you. If it's the yes. one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah, you, I yeah. think even you told him, you're like, he was like, what's Kevin Pendergrass doing here? And you're like, hey, this is my first instrumental <laughs> service I've ever been to. That's cool. Yeah, I had been to other church services that had instrumental music and other denominations that had instrumental music, but it always been to tell them they're, they're in sin or tell them they're wrong, you know? And so with, with this actually participating, I remember I was literally shaking. Wow. But my, my point is, is that, and that's a specific example, but my, my point is, is that, Hell anxiety and what if thinking, they really go hand in hand. And for for a lot of people, 
they try to overthink this. They make it more than what it really is. And so overcoming what if, well, for example, all right, you know, when you, when you think about the idea of, well, what if this, and what is this, you know, I need to take the safe route, being able to first challenge yourself and say, well, what do you think the safe route is? Because more than likely we've already preconditioned what we think is a safe route and we haven't thought critically whether that's the safe route or not. And so just being able to ask very pinpointed questions to figure out, well, why am I what ifing everything? But also, no matter what position you're in, you're going to what if. You're going to what if something. Yeah. And so the question, therefore, becomes, well, how do I open up my mind to not just think critically about what's in front of me, but also think broadly about what's in front of me? A lot of people today, especially in our society and culture, there's so much information out there. There's good information. There's bad information. There is misinformation. There's information that has been intentionally distorted. There's information that has been unintentionally distorted. And so all of this is coming at us at one time. So the question is, how do I learn to think critically about all of these things? But also, how do I think broadly about this? If I'm only reading the same material over and over and over, I may be thinking critically about the material I'm reading, but if I'm not thinking broadly enough, that's not going to give me a very good baseline. So a lot of it's just how to think critically, how to think broadly, and really challenging our thoughts. Uh, especially when it comes to hell anxiety. I mean, I even when I no longer believed in eternal conscious torment, I still had that thought, well, what if, what if, what if? Because, I mean, it, it literally can be paralyzing. I can tell you I'm I'm completely over it now. I'm completely healed from it. And so I know you can be healed from it, but it just takes um, takes some time and it takes a plan. It takes a process of how to rewire our thoughts and how to move on. But so, some other specific, well, do you have any questions on that? Does that make sense? Makes, hey, it makes total sense to me. You know, one of the things that happened with me is, when I first started deconstructing, I mean, really, I'm not talking about the preterism stuff in 2016, 2015. I'm talking about 2018. I started reading Rob Bell and Brian McLaren and Pete Enns and some of these guys and really got into the whole deconstruction thing. Um, I was afraid of that what if question. And I was like, okay, well, what about uh, atonement theory? What about hell? And I'd study all these different subjects and it was out of fear. And then it hit me one day, well, man, this... This I've been wrong before, but I could be wrong again isn't a constricting thing. It's a freeing thing because now it's like, yeah, I could be wrong again. And so what? I survived it this time. Like, that's that's actually a good thing. I don't have to know it all. So I think it's great that you're able to help people navigate that specific um, that specific thing. But yeah, man, what are some what are some other examples you got for us? Yeah, so one would be setting appropriate boundaries with family, friends, your church community. So if you are changing, if you are in the process to deconstruct it, and the reason why I say the issues themselves don't really matter as much, because regardless of whether you're, when when Lee and I were co-hosting the podcast, you know, Lee, Lee would talk a lot about the one cup and the head covering. Well, you know, that was never an issue for me. I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, that's that's that was, to me, I'm like, well, that's silly. But that's only silly because that was never... Uh, programmed into me. <laughs> and so everything seems silly when it's not your programming. But at, when it is your programming, and when I say programming, that's the way that you were raised. That was the way that your caregivers, your culture uh, taught you how to behave. That's basically your what I call your accepted reality when you were younger. Everybody had an accepted reality, but when we get older, we, most of us realize that the accepted reality wasn't actual reality or it was a distortion of what reality looked like. Maybe there was some truth to it, but it wasn't all true. So when, when someone is changing, and it doesn't matter if you're listening to this and, and you're saying, okay, well, Kevin, you know, you may not understand because you were never part of the One Cup Church. It doesn't matter. Or you may say, well, I'm really liberal, Kevin. You don't understand. Well, it, it doesn't matter the issue. Um, you know, I'm not gay, but I have worked with people who are and have been able to help them, um, you know, navigate the waters of their current belief system and try to figure out, OK, what do I do when it comes to accepting this? Or what do I do if, if you know, I believe this, but my family doesn't believe this is OK? How do I go about navigating those waters? And so it doesn't matter. It can be about one, how many containers you use. It can be about your sexual orientation or a sexual identity. It can be about uh, it can be about anything, instrumental music. It can be about whether you believe in God anymore, or whether you think Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It doesn't matter the issue because when you've been programmed a certain way, it's all ultimately, it's, it's, it's going to be the same process. And so when you start changing on any of these issues we just discussed or any countless other issues, there are going to be people who come after you. 
and and some people come after you with good and good motives. Other people they come after you with not so good motives. It depends on your position. If you're a minister, or if you were an employed member of the church, or if you were just a, 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 a for lack of better words, layperson. All of it is going to be different. So it's not a one size fits all. But you're still going to have to set appropriate boundaries. So how do I how you know so how do I go about telling people my change? Do I need to tell people my change? Do can I tell some people that I'm changing, but not other people? Why is it important that I feel like people have to know that I've changed? Well, if it is important, why is it important? And is it important for everybody to know? Do I need to make a big social media announcement or do I just let people know who I'm close to? How do I deal with friends when they don't like what I'm doing, when they don't agree with my views or when I don't agree with their views, but I'm okay being friends with them, but they're not okay being friends with me? How do I go about navigating that? What about the church community? What about community at all? What if I've lost my church community, but I'm looking for community? What do I do? How do I find that? On and on and on. I mean, the questions are endless, but it's all about setting those appropriate boundaries. And you can set appropriate boundaries without being rude, without being ugly. But at the same time, you can be very, very strict with your boundaries to make sure that you're protecting yourself. First and foremost, you can't help anybody else, just like what they say when you're on an airplane. You have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help anybody else. So first, you have to make sure you have created a safe space for yourself before you can start helping other people do the same thing. Um, or before you can start making the moves you want to make, you you don't need to rush into it. And so it's just sitting there in a very calm, safe place, working through these issues with people so that they don't feel like it's just complete chaos. Um, also, just during that process, transitioning with your new views with minimal drama are problems. And, 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 and overcoming bitterness. So many people, Daniel, are bitter about this type of stuff, man. You, you, you've seen it. I've seen it. We've even talked about this. And felt it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And because it's hard, you know, it's easy to blame other people for our decisions. Yeah. Um, but sometimes we're blaming other people not because of our decisions, but because of their decisions. But at the same time, how do we finally get over that? How do we quit being bitter? And how can we find peace? How can how can we be happy and joyful in our lives and uh, love ourselves again? And so there, there's all sorts of specifics, you know, how to handle attacks, church discipline, how to become independent, how to take responsibility for your own beliefs. So much of church community right now is falls into the category of group thinking, uh, where they don't really think for themselves. People have been thinking for them. And so when someone finally is able to think critically enough to realize that's not what they believe or that's not what they want, how can they be assured that that is their own belief? And that that is their own choice. Or if they aren't, if they do believe something, how do they know that's not just somebody else's views being forced upon them? And so, being able to help people learn how to take responsibility for their beliefs and choices, and their and the consequences that come from those beliefs and choices, and then really just as I said before, support, encouragement, being a sounding board, and knowing that when people talk to me, first of all, it's in complete confidentiality, and that they can come to me and discuss these matters without fear. Fear of being ousted, fear of being judged. Um, I mean, as I said before, I have talked to a wide spectrum of people. I've coached a wide spectrum of people. And so it really, to me, you are getting a safe space. I, I yeah. promise you that. You really are. It does, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to judge you if you're still going to a church that that I I think is too too uh conservative, if you will. But I'm also not going to judge you if you come to me and uh, you know, you're you're struggling with other issues or you are wanting to, you know, you have thoughts and uh, you're wanting to pursue those thoughts, but no one's ever given you permission to. But perhaps that's what you need to do. You need to be pursuing those things. And so just just really trying to give people a safe space where they can solve their problems. And I'm not solving the problems for the person. I'm helping the person solve the problems for themselves, but pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, and on the confidentiality thing, I can speak from personal experience. I mean, before you were a life coach, I mean, for the past, what, we've known each other, my goodness, for six years now, <laughs> over six years, six and a half years. Wow, Tom plus. Uh, but I've always been able to come to you and tell you what's ever on my, whatever's on my mind, whatever I'm struggling with, any questions I have. And you've been able to do the same for me. And there's never been a time when I felt judged by you or condemned by you. And I've never felt afraid to tell you something because you might go tell somebody else. And so there's always been that bond and that trust and confidentiality. And so I know that that makes you a safe person to talk to. And I'm excited for uh, for people to find you. Uh, speaking of people finding you, 
how can someone get in touch with you, Kevin? Like, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and get more information, schedule that consultation? How do they need to go about doing that? Yeah, I'll, I'll put, I'll have you put my email and my website, but that's really the, the best way. Just email me at Kevin at mycompasslife.com. Just reach out to me that way. You can also call me if you want. My, my business line is 256-426-9464. And so that's, if someone wants to call or text, they can do that. And then if they're just curious, but they don't want to talk to me right now, they can do some more research about what I do at mycompasslife.com. So if you want to put all that in the show notes and, and, and really, I'm, I appreciate what you said about the confidentiality. I feel the exact same way. I mean, it, with you and everything that we've gone through together. But that's the that's the main thing that I want people to know is that they're loved, they're cared about. Uh it's it's your value is not go is not predicated upon what you believe. And your value is not predicated on currently what you're doing right now. It's really not. And when when people have come from a works based system, and especially when they were told it wasn't a workspace system, it messes with your head because you're like, well, it sure sounds like one, but I guess it's not because the preacher's telling me it's not. But then you finally realize it is. You have conditioned yourself. You have been programmed your whole life to see yourself only as valuable as what you're doing or only as valuable as how other people see you. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And so for people to know that they're loved, that they're cared about, regardless Really, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what has crossed your mind, regardless of what questions you're asking, to know it's okay and to allow yourself to go there, to allow yourself to feel feel what you're feeling, to allow yourself to think those thoughts that you were told you never could or to contemplate or to challenge your views when you were told you couldn't do that. And so just to be able to know that there's a safe place to do that. I mean, you would be surprised. Everybody would be surprised at who some of the people I've spoken with and call confidentiality. Um, ministers, professors, people who seriously, people would not believe some of the conversations I've had. Um, but one of the reasons why I'm able to con con continue to, to have the friendships I have is because my goal is truly to build bridges. I mean, I burned them for a good part of my life. I mean, I took joy in burning bridges because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. And so I've tried to remend those bridges, but I've also built a lot of new new bridges. And so um, I'm just here to be your support. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Your support, your cheerleader, your accountability partner, your uh, your friend who can help you solve your problems. And there are very few people who have gone through exactly what I've gone through as far as my own deconstruction. I mean, it, it started, you know, I tell people, if you look at my whole journey, I mean, I when I was at preaching school, you know, I, I told a professor in front of thousands of people he's going to hell because he thought it was okay to hand clap. So I, I know what it's like to be on all sides <laughs> and both sides. And I know what it's not just like I'm speaking from, oh, I can't understand what you've gone through. I may not be able to understand exactly what you've gone through. I may not be able to understand the exact emotions you've had and when you've had them and those types of things. But I understand the concepts and I understand the framework that people have gone through. And so that's why uh, I believe I have been so successful at helping people when other people couldn't help them, not because they weren't good at what they were doing. It was simply because they didn't have the same understanding uh, and they weren't coming from the same place. With this type of stuff, we are coming from the same place. That's great, man. So, hey, if you listen to this and you might think to yourself, hey, I'm in a pretty good place right now. I don't need uh, life coaching myself. You might get the word out by sharing this podcast with someone or maybe sharing Kevin's website with somebody and just telling people, you know, word of mouth, tell them that there is help out there, that there is hope. Uh, share his website on social media or on your personal page, or maybe there's a group that you could share this information on and let other people know that help does exist out there. And I know that if uh, there's other podcasts that you think that Kevin should, should appear on and talk about this, that send them his name, send them his email, tell them what he's got going on and, or, or tell Kevin and he can reach out to him so that he can get this word out and, and really help people. And like, like you said, this isn't his main business. This is his side thing, but he just wants to help and, and make the world a better place. And so if anything that you guys can do to get the word out there to help our good buddy, Kevin, I know that he'd appreciate that a lot. Um, Hey, so Kevin, I know that you've got another appointment you got to get to. So do you have any other final thoughts or anything you want to add in here at the, at the end of the program? Yeah, I would just say, first of all, thank you for spreading the word and letting people know how they can do that. Yeah, if they want to share my website on social media, if they just want to let people know in groups, um, what, I, what I'm what i providing is a very niche or niche 
area. And so it's, that's, that's another reason why I just decided to do this on the side because this isn't, this isn't how I'm making my living. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm compensating myself for the time and effort, but this isn't how I make my living. This is truly more to satisfy my own need to feel accomplished, to help other people while also helping other people. So I, 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 it's, it's for me and it's for other people, you know, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not getting anything out of it because I, when I am able to help other people, I feel accomplished. And uh, this is something that helps me while helping other people. And so it's, it's a, to me, it's a win-win situation. But if you do know of anybody, cause like I said, this is such a, a niche or niche uh, service that I provide um, that either there are going to be people out there who don't need it at all or people who desperately are looking for it. So it's a matter of just finding the right people who do need that. Uh, as you said before, if there's anybody who wants to have me on their podcast, I don't charge anything to do podcast. I would love to come on there if there's any specific topic that I could share about how to overcome some of these types of issues that I've discussed more specifically, um, you know, just how to get unstuck and, and what that would look like for for some people, which it's difficult because each person's different. That's part of the coaching aspect, right? I mean, each you're working with each person because everybody is uh, so everyone is so unique in their situation, but there are some some general topics that I would be more than happy to talk about and some some methods on how to better ourselves and, and help ourselves get unstuck. But ultimately, I just want to say there's hope, man, there's hope. Most people want somebody who has been in the trenches to know, is there hope? I mean, can I actually get better? And I can I can promise you, Daniel, I'm at the best place I've ever been. I'm at, I have the most peace in my life I've ever felt. I have healed from the past. I have been able to make amends the most I can, if nothing more than in my mind. Even people who uh, have wronged me, whether they've accepted forgiveness, I've, I've provided it for them. And for the people that I have hurt, which are many, who chose not to forgive me, uh, I've still been able to forgive myself now. And so it's a matter of, of letting people know I know what it's like. Man, I know, and I know that there's hope that you can be healed, that you can get unstuck, and that you can finally move on. That's awesome, man. Hey, it's it's a beautiful message, and thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today on Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace to let us know what you're up to. And I hope that some people out there, if that's if there's only one thing they pick up from this podcast, is that there is hope, that healing is available. Even if they seem like everything is lost, if they lose their faith community, community, if they lose their family, you and I both know in different levels and to different extents what that can feel like. And here we both are, you know, it's at some of the best places we've ever been in our life. I feel the same way that you do. And so I'm excited to be able to share this message with others. And Kevin, I hope you get a lot of messages right at 6.01 a.m. after they listen to this, as soon as it drops at 5 a.m. this Thursday. I hope they listen to it and sends you immediately a message. Then you can email them back at like 2 p.m. or whenever it is that you check your emails during the day and uh, let, let them know that you're willing to do that 15-minute consultation. So, man, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you would, leave us a good review on iTunes. That really helps us out. And also, if you want a story about someone who dealt with spiritual trauma and religious trauma and came out on the other side a better person and happier at more and more at peace, you might check out my book, How a 25-Year-Old Learned. He wasn't the only one going to heaven, available in paperback and audiobook, as well as Kindle. And Kevin has some books out there, too. Legalism, A Different Kind of Poison, kind of does the same thing that uh, my book does. And then his book, Blinded by the Bible, has helped out a lot of people. And uh, I've actually know several people at our church that got the book through the Christian Chronicle, didn't even realize I'd <laughs> helped you format it, and were surprised to see my name on the cover. So uh, I'm excited that others have got their hands on that book too. But Kevin, man, thanks again so much for joining us. Hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you on the next episode.